If you'd have told me a couple of months ago that we would be in the situation we're in right now, in America and worldwide, I would have gone, you have got to be crazy. I've never seen anything like this in my entire life. It's, it's fascinating because during 9-11, tens of thousands of people converged on Fellowship Church. We wanted to gather together, but with this coronavirus, it's like, keep your social distance. Let's quarantine. Let's hunker down and let's just kind of grind it out. Well, thankfully, we have social media. I'm so happy that we have this online experience, Facebook Live, YouTube. It's really amazing how, how we can do this. But just remember, and I can't wait, once the, the, the veil has been lifted, so to speak, once we're given the green light by our president and officials, I can't wait to gather together in church because there's nothing like gathering in the local church. But I've got to be totally frank with you. This is a, a time of fear. It's a time of fierce running buddies, anxiety and worry. It's, it's really something that no one really knows the answer. No one knows how long we'll be in this situation. No one knows what are the implications. We're, we're afraid. Oh, no. Man, what if, what if I get sick or... My family gets sick or my kids get sick and, 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 and will the hospitals have the infrastructure to handle this pandemic? Man, there is, there's some serious panic in this pandemic. And, and I understand it. I, I totally get it. And I think you do as well. What's, what's really stunning is the fact that 2,000 years ago, Jesus dealt with this very subject 2,000 years ago, with a bunch of people sitting on a hillside during the Sermon on the Mount, the, the greatest sermon ever preached. Jesus talked about what we're being whacked with right now, worry. So think about this. A couple of millennia ago, people were dealing with the same issues the same worry, so to speak, as, as we are today. And I'm so happy that Jesus talked about worry. And he's not talking about concern. Concern is good. We, we need to have concern. Concern really focuses on today. I need to be concerned about living for the Lord. I need to be concerned if you're married about marriage and if you have kids, your kids and your loved ones, we need to be concerned, concerned about the situation. Worry though is futuristic. Worry is like out there. Worry is anxiety and angst over things in reality we can't control. I read a, a survey just yesterday about worry. It was conducted by the University of Michigan and I thought it was sort of hilarious because it went through all of the things that we worry about. And this survey concluded by saying only 2% of the stuff that we worry about, that I worry about, is ever even going to happen or could possibly happen. So I, I've got to be totally transparent, totally honest with you. I have dealt and I deal with worry. I mean, worry can whack you because it whacks me so often. It's that scenario sickness. What if this happens? Or 
What if this falls apart? We look at our finances, you know, those, those nest eggs are scrambled and they're definitely not sunny side up, I can tell you that. We, we look at health because, you know, we're, we're human beings in this physical world. We're all worried about health. We're, we're worried about, about this, this one germ in reality. Just, just think about this. One germ has caused all of this mayhem. Just one germ. So again, if you could have come to me a couple of months ago and gone, hey, Ed, uh, everything is going to go absolutely crazy because of one germ, I would have gone. No way. It is fascinating, though, how a germ can totally rock our world. It can totally change the game. It, it, it changes it changes culture. It changes everything. Just one germ. We, we think that we're big and bad. We think that we're bulletproof, so to speak. We think if we have enough money or enough fame or, or enough protection, whatever that means, then we're sort of oblivious to this situation. But no, we're not. You know, the tragic death of Kobe Bryant just several months ago, this amazing athlete, this very wealthy, handsome guy, it really uh, snapped the heads of so many people in our culture because someone like Kobe, he's not supposed to die. It, it, it shows just the, the, the tenuous nature of life. It shows that we're here just by a thread. And, and now we come into this coronavirus? Wow, just one germ, boom, here we are. It's like, wow, what is all of this? What does this mean? My, my friends and even different pastors around, around have been calling and we've been texting and talking about these, these issues. And just quite frankly, I am praying that this situation brings our nation back to God. God uses pain. Pain is a megaphone. God doesn't want us to get whacked with worry. He does, however, use things, good things and bad things, Romans 8, to bring us to him. That's my prayer. That's our prayer. It shows us that we're just here by a thread. We're one germ, one plane crash, one drunk driver, one heartbeat away from the other side. As long as you run your own life, you're going to be riddled with worry. As long as you come up with your own agenda, your own plans, you do your own thing, handle your own finances, your own marriage, your, your own children, your own friends, your own recreational pursuits, you, my friend, will deal with a lot of worry. You're going to get whacked by worry. And I've been there. We all have. Conversely, when I look to God and say, God, you are sovereign, you're Lord, your glory, I'm going to live to reflect your glory, then worry just sort of melts away. Because I'm pleasing God, and I'm not worried about all those 
other things. It's like this woman said about, about worry. She said, I really feel bad when I feel good because I know in the future it's going to get bad again. So I just feel bad. That's worry. And I want to talk about worry. I want to talk about simply what Jesus talked about because if LeBron James talks to us about basketball, we're going to listen. If Bill Gates talks to us about being an entrepreneur, we're going to listen. Jeff Bezos talks about this or that. As far as finances, we're going to pay attention. Tiger Woods talks about playing golf or Jordan Spieth. We're going to listen. Well, Jesus talks about worry. He knew all about it. And this whole conversation took place a couple thousand years ago in an area near the Sea of Galilee. We were just there about eight weeks ago. The acoustics, as you've heard me say before, if you haven't, I'll say it again. The acoustics in this area are sick because just the way that the mountains cascade into the sea, I've been to the spot where the people were sitting on rocks and Jesus was talking. So literally, you can stand on the seashore and talk like I'm talking to you. Thousands can hear uh, what someone's saying on the seashore. So I guess you could say in a way, Jesus utilized technology sort of the way we're, we're utilizing technology. Technology is great, but it still doesn't, it's still not a substitute a true substitute for, for the gathering together. Well, Jesus said these words, and if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to take your Bibles out. Maybe you're watching this with your, your spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, your, your kids, whatever. Take your Bible out and turn to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to pick up Jesus' conversation about worry. Here's what he said. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 and following. Therefore, and anytime you, you see that, that word, therefore, always ask yourself, what's it there for? Because when, when that transition is used in the Bible, pay attention, you know, uh, 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 like, like, like get ready. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Do not worry about your life. Say the word worry with me where you are. Worry. Worry. When you say it, you don't really have a good expression on your face. Look, worry. Kind of a, kind of a whining expression. Worry. I can't say like worry. It's like worry. Worry. The word worry comes from two Greek words. One word means to divide. The other word means the mind. When I worry, and again, I'm not talking about concern. I'm talking about worry. Worry is futuristic. Concern is in the now. When I worry, I have a divided mind. Three times Jesus says, do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. If you look at the tense, let me give you a little Greek lesson here. This means stop Worrying. Jesus is just simply saying to all those people who were sitting in that kind of amphitheater on the Sea of Galilee, he said, stop worrying. Stop it. Just stop. 
stop, 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 stop. Later on, though, in verse 31 of Matthew chapter 6, he talks about worry again. And he says in verse 31, in the, in the original language, don't start worrying. So he said to the worriers, if you're worrying, stop. And that's a word to me and a word to you. Stop. And then he's saying, if you're not worrying, don't start it. That's just, this is brilliant. Therefore, I tell you, Jesus said, don't worry about your life. Verse 25, Matthew chapter 6, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds, he said. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? What's he talking about? Don't worry about food. Don't worry about fitness, your body, your figure, you know, getting swole all the time. Don't worry about fashion. Wow, that's convicting to me. And don't worry about finances. Don't. You can get concerned about those things. You can concern yourself, we have to, with food and with, you know, staying in, in relatively good shape and, and, you know, looking presentable with fashion and and, and, you know, with, with finance, you know, we're to manage money properly before God, but don't worry about it. Worry is taking things from the future and bringing them into today. It's like if you look on your weather app on your phone, hopefully you have one. I have a, I have a weather app and I look at it all the time. And if I'm not careful, I can see, okay, we got a couple of sunny days, but oh, this weekend, you got the, the cloud with the lightning. Oh no. And if I'm not really careful, I can bring that cloud with the lightning into the sunny days and it can sort of ruin my joy. I know that's kind of a kind of a reach, but that's what we do with worry. We, we borrow pain and consternation and difficult situations from the future and, boom, dump it on today. We take things from tomorrow and the next day and back it up and dump it on today. That's why Jesus is saying, don't do it. You take care of what God has given you today. So we can worry about food, worry about fitness, worry about fashion, worry about finance. And I get it. We're going we're gonna to think about those things, but we can't freak out about them. It's so interesting that he used a bird, a, a word picture, as this example. I have traveled a good bit in my life, and, and I've gone to some places that are really, really out there to chase a lot of fish that are big and wild. In uh, some of my journeys, I've run into bird watchers. Bird watchers are 
are really uh, something else. They, they literally travel to all these unique places to watch birds. They have all of this you know, technology, these, these high-tech binoculars, and they go to these places. Many risk their lives to view birds. Well, that's one of the ways to whack worry. Become a bird watcher. Become a bird watcher. Jesus is saying, see these birds? I'm sure birds were flying everywhere, you know, around the sea, seagulls, and hey, look at the birds. God takes care of them. They're fed. They're clothed. They're in good shape. They're not worried about their finances. I've yet to see a bird be treated for hypertension or arrhythmia. They just like roll with what's before them. Birds are lower than we are. We're the crown of God's creation. Jesus is saying, God takes care of the birds. He's going to take care of you and me. He's never going to give you or me more than we, than we can handle. It, it's like that, that verse I've taught on. It's like that principle that I've, that I've uh, shared with you so many times. Trucks have a certain amount of, of weight that, that, that they can handle their, their frame. One ton, half ton, three-quarter ton. The Lord Jesus knows what we can handle. You're here, aren't you? I mean, you're, you're watching and you're engaged in this service. You've been maybe battered and bruised. You've gone through some difficult times, but you're here. Have you ever thought about the fact that God uses pain to, to, to draw us to him? Well, I just wish I, I had blessings all the time. Well, if the sun's always out, your life's going to be a desert. But if it's just always raining and dreary, your life's going to be a swamp. God combines the two. And we have a garden. If it's uh, sunny all the time, we were like, man, I wish we could have a little bit of rain, a little bit of cloud cover. And if you're in the swamp all the time, man, I wish we could have a little bit of sun. So there's that, that, that balance in it. What is God doing through this season in your life and in mine? What is he communicating to you? And me. What a great time for spiritual renewal. What a great time to, to reboot, to refresh your life and mine, and to realize it's all about God, to realize that we're here just by the grace and the mercy of God, to realize God has given this 24-hour period called a day or to enjoy it and have a great time in it, the moment, though, we get into worry, we're blocking the blessings of God today. Furthermore, God allows pain and difficulty so we can come through it, not always avoid it. When we come through it, we silence the enemy. What's God saying to you? What's he doing in your life as we come through this financial difficulty, through this physical 
situation, through this emotional deep weed situation? What's God doing? What's he saying to you through prayer, through his word, through this message, through what Jesus is teaching us? I, I would, though, encourage you to become a bird watcher. Well, look at the birds. Look at the birds. Look at the birds. Matthew 6, 34, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. Again, only 2% is even worth worrying about. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. So number one, become a bird watcher. Number two, here's another suggestion. Stay in your box. I've been using my phone a lot, but I have a, a calendar app. It's called Fantastical. And basically, you know, it's a, I'll show you. I've, I have no secrets what's, what's on my phone. But if I push one of the numbers in those little boxes, it'll tell me what's coming up on like the 25th of March or Maybe I'll go over here to April, let me see, April 15th. Ooh, tax day. Uh, I did have a date I was supposed to speak in the next couple of weeks that got canceled. Here's, here's what I have discovered. I'm always best if I stay in my box. In that little box, which says the 22nd, I'm in that box. I really should not worry about the 23rd, the 24th, so forth and so on. I got to stay in my box. When I stay in my box, I'll be able to receive the blessings. I'll be able to hear from God. I'll be able to capture the moment that God has for me. So when I say, God, you're sovereign, you run my life. I want to please you. I want to glorify you. Today, I stay in my box. The problem comes in my life when I look down the road and I'll start taking all these boxes from the future and piling them up today. And then I become a hoarder and I can't see or do anything that God wants me to do. So here's my dilemma. When I take boxes in the future, boxes of worry, and put them back on today, back onto the 22nd, it basically buries the blessings of God and it saps away my strength. Think about carrying these boxes. You can't even see the blessings of God because you're so worried about what's going to happen and only 2% of it could possibly happen. You miss the blessings of God. And then on top of that, it just saps your strength because you can't hold it up. So, so many of us are weary. We're just out of breath. We have no strength because we've been carrying things, boxes that we're not even made to carry. Don't worry about that. Concentrate on what God is doing, how he's strengthening you 
how he's blessing you today. So become a bird watcher. Number two, stay in the box. This is not going to last forever. This is a season and God has given us this season. He's allowed this season for a reason. What are you doing? What am I doing to, to accentuate and to deepen my relationship with the Lord? Here's the thing about pain and difficulties. And we're definitely facing the unknown, which is really scary. We're worried about the unknown. We don't really understand or know all of the implications. But as we face the unknown, as we go through difficult times, the first thing it does is it silences the devil himself. Because the devil loves to talk smack in your ear and in my ear. Yet when God takes us through difficulties, I don't mean the sunshine of his blessings always. I mean, through difficulties, it silences him. On top of that, it builds believers. We're built and we mature during the tough time. We, we're built when the going is, is uh, tough and it's an arduous task. That's when things happen. So we need to zoom out and go, wow, as I'm going through this, I can silence Satan. And number one, God's going to build some amazing stuff in my life. Here's the question. What is God building in your life? What does he want to build? Maybe you need to admit the sin of worry. Maybe you need to admit the fact that you put too much energy and emphasis on food and fitness and fashion and finance. Maybe just maybe God showing you through this, hey, this is about me. Because again, there's a tissue-like veil separating this life from the next. Look what one germ has done. What a lesson from the sovereign hand of God. Another suggestion, this would be number three. Remember God's past performance. Remember God's past performance. Retro is, I mean, going retro is popular. A friend of mine, he's in his 40s and he's wearing bell bottoms again. I'm not sure if a 40-year-old should wear bell bottoms, but I, but I get it, you know. I've, I've taken dumb fashion risks too. Bell bottoms are coming back. And some of the millennials might even know what bell bottoms are, but going retro is, is huge. You know, it's, it's in the restaurant world. It's in even the fitness world. It's in, it's in the fashion world. Going retro, 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 retro. Moses told his people, God's people in no uncertain terms, remember God's past performance. Time and time again, Moses would sit them down. And, and again, this is, this is the whole nation of Israel. And remember, they were delivered miraculously from Egyptian slavery. God allowed them, again, supernaturally, to cross the Red Sea on dry land. God gave them a GPS system 
a cloud by day, fire by night. When they were hungry, he provided manna, that's right, cosmic carbs that fell from the sky, and protein for all you muscle heads, quail. Moses regularly would sit down and he would say, think about the promises of God. You know, there's one thing that we do that God can't break promises. God's not going to break a promise. God is going to take care of us. That's why we can leverage the past. We remember what God has taken us through. Moses coached God's people up by saying, remember, before you start whining and moaning and complaining, the sky is falling, the coronavirus is, is capturing all of us, my nest egg is anything but sunny side up, I'm, 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 I'm stuck in my house, I can't go anywhere. Before you start going cuckoo for cocoa puffs, before you start being whacked with worry, look back. Go retro. Put on some bell bottoms. The Red Sea was parted. The GPS system, manna and quail. God said the same in your life. God has done the exact same in my life. What's your Red Sea? What's your manna and quail? What's your GPS system that God has guided you through? It may be a stormy situation, a difficult time, and you're like, wow, I can't believe that happened. That was God. How God provided for you when you're like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do financially, but God, here's the first. It's the tithe. I bring it to you, and boom, he's provided supernaturally. That's why we need to rely and rehearse God's past performance. Also, too, I guess the fourth thing is we need to rely on what he's planned for the future. God has a great plan for your life and mine in the future. We're going to get through this. We're going through this. You've heard it said, I don't know what the future holds, but I know in Christ who holds the future. The Lord holds our future. He has plans to bless us, and, and, and blessings, the blessed life is simply living with the intangible, intangible favor of God. He has a fantastic future, a powerful purpose for all of our lives, and we can bank on that. Think about this. We're all going to go to heaven. We all are. So, in reality, I guess to, to kind of summarize what I've been saying, worry is about the future. And those of us who are in Christ really, really shouldn't, shouldn't worry. You know, I guess you could say we should be concerned. Now, if you, if you don't know the Lord, if you're not a follower of Christ, I can see why you would worry. You, you, you would worry because you really don't know your future. You think you're in control of it, but due to what's happening in our world today, you see, wow, this one germ 
has wreaked havoc in our lives. So, yeah, you should be worried about death and judgment because the Bible says we'll all face a judgment before God. And the judgment is, is based on, do you know Jesus Christ or not? Have you asked him into your life or not? Have you admitted your wrongdoings to the Lord and received him or not? Because God arranged for the sins of the world, even the sin of worry, to be transferred on Christ's shoulders as he was dying on the cross for our sins. Soon thereafter, that brilliant sermon on the mount, death couldn't hold him down, he rose again. God offers us Jesus. He offers us forgiveness. He offers us grace. He offers us cleansing. And you can make that decision by asking Jesus Christ to come into your life. Well, Ed, how do I do that? By, by repeating this prayer. And this is a prayer that I prayed years ago. This can be your prayer. I'll lead you in it. Just say this, dear God, I admit to you that I'm a sinner. I've fallen short. I believe, God, you sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for my sins and rise again. And right now, as I'm engaged on this online conversation, maybe Facebook, maybe YouTube, I ask you, Jesus Christ, to come into my life. I give you, Lord, everything I am and everything I'll ever become. If you prayed that prayer with me, that's the greatest thing, the greatest thing that you'll ever do. So you have no fear in death, none, because you will live forever and ever with Jesus. Others of us here need to take these principles and precepts and apply them. You know, it's easy to talk about, I'm talking about my own life, overcoming worry, but when I have to really walk in the trenches and do the stuff that, 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 that wax worry, that's a whole nother level. But the Holy Spirit of God will give us the ability to do so.